Welcome back to Oh, the pot agreed. I just nice don't feel like you match the energy there. I, I, I mean, next time, next time you'll be there. He'll be there next time, guys. Yeah. So, uh, it's another episode. I will say, just off the bat, we're recording this actually a day early because we're going to be out of town for the rest of the week. A day early in duress. Yeah, you can probably guess why. Um, we're going to Worlds. Yeah. So. Yeah, we're going to be at Yu-Gi-Oh! Worlds in Tokyo. Should be pretty exciting, pretty fun. Never been to Japan before, so uh, that'll be dope. Yeah, but we are pre-recording this, so if some crazy news thing drops on, like, Wednesday, then you'll know why. Yeah, um, hopefully we're part we of the Why we talk news. about it. But, um, yeah, so it's where we've got lots of Yu-Gi-Oh! news, lots of card game news. We have some. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't even say lots. Not I don't want to, like, happened. set the expectation, like, really, really high. I mean, these are Yu-Gi-Oh! players for the most part. They know there hasn't been that much Yu-Gi-Oh! news. Yes, that is true. Um, so what do we start with? What's going on? Uh, I mean, what's going on with Yu-Gi-Oh! Like, well, Worlds is this weekend. That's probably the big news. It's it's, But, you know, I've always wondered why Worlds isn't a bigger deal in the TCG. That's actually a good talking point to start with, because I was talking to some other people about this recently myself, and... You know, the truth is, Worlds isn't super relevant for anybody that's not, like, participating in it. Yeah, if you're not playing in war- Worlds, I don't know, because it's a, it's a unique format, right? Yeah, it's a format that is unique and, like, very much its own. It's not TCG and it's not, like, OCG, so it's just kind of like... Master Duel. Well, I'll get to that, but yeah, in, in that way, yeah, it is, like, Master Duel. It's its, its own thing, so... um. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think, like, what makes it a little difficult is for the average Yu-Gi-Oh! player, when you tune into this, you're kind of like, wait, why aren't they playing? Oh, wait, because they have, like, their own kind of specific combination band list and set of cards. It's such a specific format that we don't have to play. I think Konami should change it. Like, I think that what they should do... Well, it, it brings you back to that question of, like, the TCG and the OCG, should they just be combined? Like, should they just release everything together at the same time? And a lot of people have wanted that for a long time. I think that would be the number one reason to do that. But I guess we have, um, I mean, there's supply chain issues that I'm sure you'd run into trying to run both the TCG and OCG simultaneously. Yeah, for sure. I'm just saying that, like, you know, those aside, I think that it's it's just a good idea. Because, you know, do you remember when Pokemon games used to come out early in Japan? No. Oh, well, they start... In the earlier generations, they would come out early in Japan, and they would get all, like, leaked and stuff. Or not even, it wasn't even leaked at that point. It was just like, okay, Pokemon Diamond and Pearl came out in Japan on, like, whatever, February 2006 or something, and then, like, in the United States and, like, I don't know. Uh, like during that period, guys, later. for context, I didn't really have internet like that, so every Pokemon game was brand spanking new to me. I hadn't seen leaks or anything. I, well, I remember that as the generation where I started to see some leaks. Because before mm. then, obviously, I wouldn't have seen anything, but... I think, like, Yu-Gi-Oh! could benefit from being the same game. I guess I get why they keep it separate, because, like, like you said, supply chain stuff, and maybe it just makes the Japanese game feel, I guess, a little bit different. I don't know. I'm actually not I mean, sure now I think about it. Because, like, I think uh, if they could run them both at the same, like, p- like pace and point, they would. Yeah. But I think that the main issue would be bringing the TCG up to speed, yeah, how like, do you do that? How do you do that? Or maybe do you stop the OCG? Like, just they don't get products for half a year. Like, yeah, that would be <laughs> difficult. I think they'd have to catch us up in like one big pack that's just like the catch up pack. Because you know how the catch up pack, because you know how in the OCG they have, um, 
That was dumb, but I they ha- you. I'm sorry. I don't they have, what is it called? There's like a pack that they kind of get that gives them all the TCG exclusive, like archetypes, oh, like the rubber archetypes. Like and they get them kind of in one pack. I guess what they'll be getting for like Gold Pride and Tistina and all that, like they'll be. So wait, they don't have Gold Pride yet? No, they don't. Yeah, and the, and the TCG, the OCG does not have Gold Pride. That's interesting. Because those always get imported into our what, sets. We're almost basically finished Gold Pride, at least until they get their um, main, more like, I guess their second round of main series support. Yes, so that's kind of something. Uh, but just speaking of worlds in general, third they did release the ban list for it. And so, uh, you know, that's... I think I did not look too closely at the ban list because it's not like I'm going to be playing in it. It's like once, well, we probably we might, we, we maybe should. Because, guys, I have a story. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> so, in 2018, we went to Berlin, Germany for That Worlds. Mm-hmm. And we had this kind of informal tournament amongst all the influencers that were there. And uh, we were playing with the Worlds ban list. And I, Pretty much all the TCG players are like, yo, what is it? We don't actually know what we can play. So we scrambled for like 30 minutes all trying to figure out what was legal and what wasn't. And once we thought we had everything together, we started the tournament. So in my first round, I'm playing against a Japanese opponent. I'm running Thunder Dragons, and they're running, was it Alter Guys? I don't remember. They're running something that wasn't Thunder Dragons. And it's all best of one. <laughs> And I get to go first. I look at my opening hand. I have full combo. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. This is going to be Colossus plus like, stuff. And I'm going to, like, he's not going to be able to win. Well, I'm, I'm doing my very simple Thunder Dragon combo. And I make my beat cop as just a normal piece of my combo. My opponent kind of looks at the card, scratches his head, and he calls someone over. And they're talking in Japanese. I don't know what they're saying. Then they call one of the staff over. And the staff, the, the staff member's like, yeah, so um, that card actually isn't legal. I'm like, beat cop? No, I'm pretty sure it's been released in the TCG and the OCG. And he's like, oh, yeah, but it hasn't been released in a specific territory in the OCG. So it's not considered legal in the OCG, which means it's not legal for worlds. Yeah. And I got disqualified mid-combo. <laughs> Yeah, uh, that's always the kind of tricky thing is it makes this, I feel feel like it makes the event harder for like the average player to get invested in. Like I guess you can still root for your kind of country or region, like the players who qualified from there. Yeah. But just that you can't really like also participate in like playtesting this format and you know. It is, it's a bit how, it's about how Yu-Gi-Oh players um, interact with Yu-Gi-Oh. So when we, a lot lot of Yu-Gi-Oh players like love watching tournament coverage they want to look at the results later and everything. Yeah, what you know, it's top, a big what deal. Won, what are the lists? However, we're mostly interested in what deck won, what deck was running this. We're invested in the decks and not the people. In worlds, for the most part, the decks don't matter. Yeah, the people are the only thing you can kind of yeah, get invested in. It's a format that you don't have to play or really won't get to play. So and the deck lists aren't too relevant. Yeah, the deck lists that come out of this event, like the winning deck list isn't something that you can play at your locals next week. So that and, like, also just this list is specific to this weekend. Like, mm-hmm. there's one event this weekend. So I do think in that way, Worlds can be a little tricky. Also, they released the schedule of, like, kind of just, like, when the quarterfinals, semifinals, all that stuff's going to be happening. Okay. So, you know what's funny? The finals are supposed to be airing at, like, 
one o'clock Pacific time AM on like August 6th or whatever morning. Like it's like, it's going to be, basically if you're living in the United States, the finals are going to be like past midnight is when they're starting. And that's just, it gets, it's just a time zone thing. They can't help it really, yeah, I guess. I mean, it, it makes sense to me. It's always I mean, going to be a bit of a, a hassle, but like, it's just kind of funny to me that that's, uh, Cause I mean, I think that's when you would have to tune in. I think ultimately the the problem that you run into is, I mean, it's a tournament. You can't really run an entire tournament in Japan for the West. Right. There's just no way to do it unless you you get your finals, the final two players, and then you schedule their game on a separate, separate. day and at the most convenient hours between Japan and America, which, at which point would that's still just so be. Much and it kind still of still be it, early morning, I think. Yeah, for us. it'll just deflate the mood because if they specifically have to kind of wait and have their one match, yeah, like, that would be a little. And I think, and then it'll be like late. They might be tired. Yeah, there's just really no way to do it. And speaking of time, what so I mean? on the official Konami.com like Yu-Gi-Oh 25th anniversary website or whatever, there is a countdown timer that they made. This oh, you were saying something about that. Yeah, it so it's a countdown timer for some big 25th anniversary related announcement. We do not know what it is. And they don't say, they just say, like... When's the timer end? Around the time that, I guess, Worlds would be beginning or going. Mm. Like, as of the time of us recording this, it says, like, four days, three hours, 51 minutes, and, like, 30-some seconds. But when you guys are, like, watching this, it'll be, like, two days or something like that. So, guys, so, you're definitely not going to want to miss Worlds. Since yeah, so don't miss it. Like, it sounds like there's going to be some announcement. Because in 2018... We got to see the world premiere of... 2019. 2019? I keep calling it 2018. The, yo, the pandemic messed me up, y'all. But um, in 2019, we got to see the world premiere of the tins, Nibiru, Dark Roar No More, and... Um, and Shifter, yeah. And Shifter. I mean, we got, to, we got to see the cards for the very first time. Yeah, so hopefully they'll be releasing something like that. I mean, some people... Something meta-defined. Some people have, like, they think it's going to be card game related. Other people think it might be a new anime. Some people think it's going to be a new... Yeah, we need an anime. New Master like. Rule. I think it probably isn't likely to be an anime just because, like, Konami doesn't actually really handle the anime stuff. Maybe that's it's like, a reboot of Dungeon Dice Monsters. That's Shueisha. Dungeon Dice Monsters is a pipe dream, man. No, Although I should no, buy it if they no, did. No, no, no. There's that. Um, What else could it be? I mean, some people think Master Rule. Some people think, like... But I feel like if they were going to do Master Rule, it would have started with, like, Duel's what we Nexus. Would, like, and then what would we change? I don't, I don't really want more complication. The newest thing we have in the game is Illusion Monsters, and there's nothing about Illusions that I feel like require any major rule changes. Yeah, so I don't know. I'm, keep your eyes peeled. Um, and I'm not lying when I say we really don't know. Um, I guess we'll know when you guys know. So maybe we'll be able to make guess, a video about it. But we'll it. know maybe a little bit before then. That's probably true. Maybe we'll make a video about it. Subscribe to Team APS. Maybe you can see it. Yeah, guys, we'll be co- we'll be covering worlds and doing a little in bit some of like, fashion. Yeah, in some fashion. We're not gonna have we're not gonna be running the live stream or anything like that. But you know, you might get a little behind the scenes action. Yeah, mayhap. But yeah, so that's it. Worlds is happening. Tune in if you're interested in watching people play in isolated format. That's kind of different than yours. So, but you know, it's still Yu-Gi-Oh. Still Yu-Gi-Oh related, Paul. Uh, what's the Yu-Gi-Oh thing you're looking forward to most in Japan? The Yu-Gi-Oh thing? Yeah, a Yu-Gi-Oh thing that you just want I mean, to see, do, experience I want Japan. to experience what the card shop, the average card shop is like. Mm. Like, I'm less interested in this world championship, you know, highest level of competition, top players thing. I'm more so just excited to see what a Japanese card shop is like. Is the kind of... I've, I've heard so much about how the experience... The, the enthusiasm around Yu-Gi-Oh looks different there. 
Mm-hmm. It's a little bit more like they say. It kind of seems like a little more anime leaning, a little more casual, a little more like they are enthusiastic about Yu Gi Oh. Man, the way that man caught the judge on me, it can't be that casual. Well, he was one of the top people, though. He, he, I, I want to see what the normal person. <laughs> I got disqualified like. fast. I also want to see if they have like those those like Yu Gi Oh vending machines or whatever. Like, you know, you'll see those oh, pictures yeah. from Japan. And oh, like, they're gonna have Yu Gi Oh merch there that we can't even. Like, yeah, I want to like stock up on everything. Stuff. Yeah. I know the Yu-Gi-Oh thing that I want to do the most in Japan is I want Rush Duel cards. You can get them in the West, but you usually have to pay. You pay a pretty hefty price just for common cards in the West. But um, I want to go to Japan and get Rush Duel cards for cost or for whatever the MSRP over there. Yeah. uh, So it'll be cool. Like I said, you know, tune in, have some fun. Um, oh, okay, so here's something else Yu-Gi-Oh! related. It's like Master Duel updates. You know, I gotta give you guys, give you guys the Master Duel scoop. Guys, this, this is just him and his, like, crack-like game. Well, I did make it to Master Rank, finally, on Master That's Duel. not what I saw yesterday. Right before the season ended. Uh-huh. So I got that a few days ago, like, last week. He and, um, yeah, finally made it to Master Rank. It was a lot of trial and tribulation. He ain't got like no I proof. said. I played. I do have proof, actually. I got the master frame, which you can only have if you like entered that tier. So I can mod mine and get it too. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it was fun. I played Dogmatica Ritual the entire way through. Bit of a nightmare. You know, you're playing a lot of tier. You're playing a lot of branded. You're oftentimes actively helping your opponent. But I will say, having uh, done it, just having grinded through some really atrocious matchups. Uh. Tier just needs to go ahead and get hit already. But didn't we just get a ban list? Yeah, well, it's Master Duel. You know, that that means nothing. And That's true. Master Duel was like, hey, we, you want to ban list every two weeks? We like can do right it. Right after Worlds. But yeah, I hope that they do finally get rid of Tier. Like, right after Worlds, please. I've, what do you think is going to win enough. Master Duel Worlds? I mean, it'll have to be some combination of tier and other things. You know, they're going to be doing a three-person team. You don't they think can't X- all play Oh, that's decks. true. It's a team thing. It won't just be. So yeah. it'll probably be like one person in every team plays Tier. One person probably plays Sprite, branded labyrinth, some kind. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, also, that'll be that'll be cool to watch. I'll definitely tune into that. Also, with their new update, though, they um, ninjas, ninjas aren't in yet. Presumably, think, the soon. thing you told me about weeks ago that you said that's was what Decade to the said. He must have lied to me. Yeah. Um, but the maintenance did update the card statistics feature. So you know, there's like the feature where you can see the pr- play percentage of yeah. a card or whatever. And so this actually caused a little bit of controversy. Uh, because the top here's the top ten most played cards as of the July twenty seventh update. Tearlaments. Can you guess what number one is? Tearlaments Havnus. Oh no, there's not a single Tearlaments card on, on the list. Oh well, okay. Oh wait, wait, wait. It's going to be something that's a part of like one of the initial decks that you get, right? Like no. a like a basic starter. No, it's Maxia. Oh god. Yeah, it's Maxia's number one. At a 90.9% play rate, Golly. which is really insane. Like 90% of people who are just playing at all on ranked ladder at any level like are playing maxi. I mean, it makes sense. It's, uh, it's, it is, it is it's the like kind of format the defining, defining card. card. Yeah. So people aren't too fond of that. Number two is Ash Blossom, not far behind at 85.2%. Um, number three is Divine Arsenal Zeus at 57.3%. And yeah, then makes sense. Infinite Impermanence at 55%. And then just to run the rest, Called by the Grave, Bestial Druid's Worm, Bestial Magnemute, Sprite Elf, Underworld Goddess, interestingly, and Dark the Dark Charmer Gloomy. 
Now, I know people are probably ranting and raving about Maxi this, Maxi oh, they that. Are. But if you took Maxi out of that, I'm pretty sure Ash Blossom would just jump up to 90-something percent, too. Yeah, so people are kind of using this as their, like, okay, Maxi needs to be banned thing. And I get that. Um, but as your resident, apparently I'm a, a Maxi defender. I've been told. You are. You're a Maxi defender. Um, as, as your resident, I think Maxi He's a C is, defender. Yeah. I'm a sea squatter. A sea squatter. Yeah. Shiny black sea. Yeah. Um, as the resident person who will preach that Maxi is fine, I'm not saying perfect or great or the savior of anything, but just fine, uh, I think that the fact that it says 90% here, but that they have not changed it, and they've had access to these statistics since the game launched. Yeah. We've gotten them only recently. I think that it's just functioning exactly as they intended it to. Because if it wasn't, they would have definitely like limited or banned or whatever, something to it. So I think the fact that they haven't just goes to show that the developers of Master Duel, they're just okay with the Maxi thing. I mean, when you think about it, like, do you think OCG players would play Master Duel if it didn't have Maxi? I think they would. But I think that it is it it being around does keep it more close to like that OCG experience. I think that my main like thing with Maxi, I'm not going to get into my whole spiel on it because you know there's a lot to say about whether it's good or bad. I think they just keep it around because it like gives people a chance, right? Like it's honestly all about just making sure that Master Duel is something that people can like log in, build a deck, and just have a chance to play. And Maxi allows people to do that. I know I hear you screaming like when you when you play Master Duel all the time, and you have Maxi. Yeah, and the thing is, a lot of people will say that, like, Maxi is, you know, it's bad for these reasons, or, well, yeah, it lets them play, but then if they use it against them, then the casuals still can't play. I think that people forget, when casuals complain about, like, Yu-Gi-Oh!, whether it's Master Duel or the TCG or whatever, mm -hmm. they aren't complaining about getting Maxied. They're complaining true. about 10-minute turns, and they're complaining about boards. Like, the one that I put on my Instagram story the other day, of, like, I didn't see the it. first turn passed by. No, I called you and I showed you. It was that turn where at the end of someone's turn, they had 41 cards in their graveyard and a Barone, a Thunder Dragon Colossus, a Tier Lament Roll Kalos, and they had gone through like four different engines and like a Sprite Elf on the field. It was like yesterday or something. It was recent. I, well, the point I, I, I showed, well, either way, there was like a duel I was playing and it's just like, how does a deck make that much crazy stuff? And that's like the first turn. I hadn't even got my turn yet. Well, why didn't you just drop Max E? Yeah. And so that's the thing, right? Like, I think when people play Master Duel, they they want, like, they want to have a chance to play. But, like, these sorts of boards make it more miserable, I think. So, yeah, so I think that's why they kind of have just been keeping Maxi around. I know it's not perfect, but, like, I'm okay with it, so. It's okay for me, so it must be fine. Yeah, that's pretty much my, my thing. I don't know. I mean, what do you think? I mean, I don't play a whole lot of Master Duel, um, but I mean, I'm a Maxi fan. I I, I like Maxi. Um, I hated it because I was one of those people playing um, combo decks back in the day when it was first introduced, and uh, I remember playing. I remember playing quite a few combo decks into Maxi and always crying. My favorite one was DDDs. Yeah, I remember playing. Actually, DDDs I think it was into, banned around then. Was it? It might have been then. I don't remember when. I'm pretty sure. Maybe not. No, I'm, are you sure it was already banned when DDs came out? Yeah, pretty sure. 
2017, 2016, 17, something like that. Maybe it was. I don't know. I remember playing playing some combo deck in the Maxi, and I remember it would get dropped, and I'd have to quit. Yeah, so, I mean, it can definitely be that sort of polarizing card, but I do think that for Master Duel, it seems like that's just how they want it to be. Um, They want it to exist, and the rest of the cards on the list don't surprise me. These are definitely things I see in every deck I play against now, so not super surprised, but people are a little unhappy, so... Or at least they're using it as evidence that it should be banned. I use it as evidence that it must be functioning as the developers want. Because there's it no is, way a card should be at 90% and they don't ban it. It's so. doing what it's supposed to do. I don't know why you're complaining about it. Yeah, so that's that. Uh, that's your Master Duel update. I don't think anything else has really happened. But Any other Yu-Gi-Oh things? Yu-Gi-Oh. Hmm. Your no, deck we don't have, stuff. We How's don't your deck building new... going? I know you're building an Edison thing. Oh, yeah, I'm working on an Edison deck. Uh, it's not done. I have to find Royal Oppressions. And even playing? though we've opened up Legacy of Darkness, which is weird, but yeah, when we've opened up Legacy of Darkness, I can't find a single oppression. Uh, but I, as to answer your question, I'm playing gadgets. I like gadgets. So it's going to be a control deck. That's the, that's the goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have not built an Edison deck myself, so maybe I'll build one eventually. Don't know what it'll be. Maybe Gladiator Beast or something. Lightshorns could be fun. I have, I have Modern Glads right now. I can just give you the whole deck. Yeah, I mean Modern Glads look so different from Edison. No, no, Glads. you still run. Uh, you still run the, the usual people, or well, some of them. Okay, not not really. Yeah, I don't even many. know that they really run too many of the original but Glads. They have so many fusion monsters you can make now. So, yeah, there's that. You can make a, um, a three negate board. Trying to think of anything else that's been happening. In the Yu-Gi-Oh space? I don't yeah, know. Like Yu-Gi-Oh TCG Compa- stuff. If we didn't ha- if we hadn't done last week's pod, then we could talk about more. But we did. And what were you thinking? Hmm? About the sets that about uh like the set that released and the thing the problem is the news from last week is still relevant because there hasn't been that much news this week. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are just waiting on worlds to end so that the next format can start, and then yeah, the we can start getting stuff. data, yeah. and people can really start. Because um, really, with the cards we got in the last set, then what's the name of the last Duelist Nexus? Those cards are untested, right? And that we just we can't really say much about those decks until our next tournament circuit starts. That's all, that's another reason why worlds is kind of a Weird stopgap. Yeah, because it, it it slows down the game in a weird way. Yeah, people kind of want the next season to start. They'll also be wanting the next ban list soon, I imagine. We don't know when that's going to be happening. What are, what are we going to ban? Oh, probably. Uh, I mean, people want heart. things. People want a rise heart ban EEV or whatever, eradicator. Oh, ep- epidemic yeah, virus. All that stuff. There's there's all kinds of things we want shifter. Um. Oh yeah. How's your? I know you were saying about your your synchron deck. How's that going? Uh, I mean, I'm working on it. Oh, working on it ish. The uh, we pulled two revolution synchrons. Yeah, two revolution synchrons, which is great because I have virtually all of the other synchron support that's come out. I realized I did not have copies of On Your Mark Get Set Duel, which is such a tragedy. Mm-hmm. But um, it's not too big of a deal because I haven't settled on my build yet. I talked about my struggles of building combo decks before, but this time I really have to try because. I can't just net deck this the way I would normally do. Um, because that? synchrons are more... They they seem they have a more competitive build. 
that everyone is talking about and flocking to right now. You can't really find a Synchron build that makes Stardust monsters. Not really, unless it's Excel Stardust. And then they run their Stardust out of obligation. Yes, what you're saying is you want to build a Stardust deck. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is I want to build a Stardust deck. Like a Yusei kind of more anime. Exactly. I mean, not what you're saying, but what I'm saying, which is a Stardust deck kind of like Yusei inspired. It's difficult to look up the lists. And mm-hmm. It's a nightmare. I mean, everyone wants to show you my, the adventure synchron this, adventure synchron that. Make uh, Dispater, make uh, Barone, of course. Barone and whatever that red dragon monster is. It uh, it treats your monsters like uh, tuner. No, it takes three tuner monsters or whatever. I don't want to do that. I do not want to build some generic looking board of good synchro monsters. I want to make bad Stardust monsters. Yeah, that's just the honest to God truth. No, I mean relatable. I, I know the feeling. Sometimes you want to play. I've been in that situation where, like, I want to play. My my example of late was like when I wanted to play the agent deck, Ooh. and like the agents of oh agents. Yeah, the agents deck and um like agent of mystery and all. I thought that. you said Asian deck. I was like, well, it's all Japanese, Paul. Yeah, I wanted to play um the agent deck, and like this is around the time I think like Hulk was still like legal. It was like at one or whatever. And I look up these builds and stuff online. And everyone's like, yeah, like you run Hulk and you do all these crazy things. Then you end on like Barone and something else. And like maybe this one agent monster. And I was just like, I kind of glazed over because it's like, I don't want to play. I'm weird. And you guys know, like I, I will ram my crazy, like off meta decks against ranked because I want to play them like as they are intended. I don't want to just make the same inboard. And so it's annoying because when you're looking up builds and stuff, everyone's like, like, why aren't you running, you know, yeah. the thing and whatever? It's like, no, I don't, I don't want to yeah. run that. Another story, I was building Vanquish, or I am building Vanquish Soul. And, like, I was looking up these builds. He and almost has them all. Yeah, still waiting on a couple of cards to get here in the mail. Uh, a couple, like, Stake Your Souls and Dr. Mad Love, I think. But um, I was building it, and, like, people were like, oh, you're supposed to run, like, Cashdera, Rise Heart, and, like, these Fenrirs. Like, these Cashdera Fenrirs or whatever. And I'm like, no, I don't really want to run that. Like... I can, I get it, but like I really don't want to. I still want to like play Vanquish Souls if I can. So you want to lose, like right? Me. Well, actually, my goal is to lose a lot, but then get good enough that I can like win some. Ah, okay. That's my, yeah, I, I'm not gonna get that good. It's my Yu-Gi-Oh experience. So, a little mini rant there, but um, hopefully you're able to. I mean, I, I think that you'll be able to find something with the synchrons. I imagine. Yeah, but it'll, have to be it'll basically it. be a homebrew like nightmare. Yeah. It might, yeah, you might have to make it yourself. I don't know. But, uh, I mean, I'm here for it. I mean, I want to make the, because uh, I really do like the, uh, what was it, Majestic Shooting, yeah, the Majestic Shooting Star Dragon. I like that card. I like the new um, Quasar, Blazar, Flazar Dragon Yeah, that's from Duel's Nexus. That guy's cool. Um, I, I, I know, I like this, this the Stardust Dragon guy, and I'd like to make a board of, like, three of them every every like time I get to go first and don't get Ash Blossom to hit. Oh, no, I shouldn't be able to handle an Ash Blossom. As long as I don't get Droll. The Droll is the real the problem with that deck. Because uh, <laughs> you, you need to search a lot. Well, I got a little Pokemon news. We'll put oh. on TCG. So um, they revealed all of the 2023 McDonald's promos. Right. Just real quick, kind of want to go over them. There's uh, Curlia. Ooh. Oh, Kalia. I don't know how you the uh, Gardevoir form. Freeform, that's yeah. yeah. Um, so that's kind of cool. It's just you know, psychic type. A lot of people like it. Cyclozar. I like that one. Um, T 
Tendemos, Tendemos, or Tendemos? The, the oh, mouse population bomb. Oh, that's the oh yeah, that's the yeah, movie, like yeah. a special move. Um, Blissey, Cloth. Don't like Blissey. Sandaconda. I Fl- like Sandaconda. Flittle. What? Yeah, that little psychic type Pokemon. I don't have a picture of it. I'm not on the site, so let me say its name one more time. Clit. Fl- Flittle. Flutter Little, I think it would be. Yeah, I don't remember that one, no. Here, hold up. Actually, I can, I can pull up a picture. Uh, Is that from uh, Scarlet and Violet? I think so. I think it's new. Flittle. Frick. Hold up. Sorry. Like, I'm, I'm not too knowledgeable on psychic-type Pokemon, guys. Uh, I've been it's I've been this. more of like a fighting ghost kind of guy. I don't know what that is. I haven't seen it, but... <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, you got me there. I don't know what that is. Kilo Watch Roll. Oh, I like the, the uh, it's the, what I like about that is it's just a bird. Yeah. It's in that same vein. Cause like Pokemon has this thing of making monsters. Right. But then sometimes their monsters just look like regular animals. And that's virtually all the birds. Yeah. Palmy. Pikachu, of course. I like Palmy. Satitan or Satitan. Satitan. Isn't that cloths of all form? It evolves from Citadel. Never mind. Um, Quaxley, Fuecoco, and Sprigatito. I like Sprigatito. That's a cool one. So, yeah, you can get all these Pokemon cards in your McDonald's Happy Meal, and I'm still upset that Yu-Gi-Oh! doesn't have that. I'm still mad that uh, Quaxley's Evolved Forms don't just get um, bigger hair, ultimately becoming a pompadour. That would have been pretty cool. And I'm talking, like, a Shaman King Ryu pompadour. Like, I want to reach out forward, like, further yeah, than my hand. Goes over there. That would have uh, been a cool Pokemon. And it would have been a dark type. So you're going to pick up any of these McDonald's Happy Meals? No, I won't. Well, I am. I'm going to get my uh, Pokemon. Well, am I driving you? Uh, well, you know what? The Charizard Card Frenzy has begun once again. Oh, Charizard Card Frenzy? Yeah, that's my next story. Oh, wow. What a transition. Um, Obsidian Flames is releasing. And uh, it's got, you know, this terrestrialized Charizard. It's like a dark type. And so apparently there's four different Charizards in this set. Are they terrestrialized differently? Uh, I don't know. But there's a standard version, a full art version, a secret illustration rare version, and a gold rare version. And so the secret illustration one is currently selling on eBay for about $250 per card. How can they be selling it if no one has it yet? Pre-orders. Pre-sales. How can you pre-order something that isn't out yet? Well, that's how pre-orders work. But how do you pre-order a specific card? Um, you're getting into vendor Especially territory. Especially a chase card. You're getting into vendor territory. You tell me. And how? And who gets to decide this price? Yeah, well. I have issues with... I, I. This is actually why I don't like chase cards. Actually, I want to rant. So, I actually have hated this trend in TCGs that we're all moving towards in... Uh, it's, it got kind of inflamed with the whole one ring situation with Wizards of the Coast and Magic the Gathering. But I hate these manufactured uh, these manufactured scarcity cards where they, they just make these low print cards where they can put one in every couple cases and say, oh, try and pull the super shiny alternate art signed stamped hot uh, so-and-so card. And they'll do it in every single card game. And... The whole goal is just to get people to fork over tons of cash to buy as much sealed product as they can. And just they rip open packs until they can find whatever their hit is. Then they dump the rest of the stuff online. And it's everywhere. 
it is absolutely everywhere. Every card game isn't really as like every card game doesn't need to be some type of collectible card game in the same vein as Pokemon. It's okay if your game is something people like to play. Like play rather than collect. Yeah. Like, everybody wants to be the best of both world both worlds right now. Pokemon is hugely collectible. It is not that highly played. So there's a trade-off to how Pokemon is positioned in the TCG space. Like Digimon loves all of its alt arts and every set now they're making more and more like high rarity chase cards to try and pull. Do you want people to play this game or not? Cause you're stuffing you're you're filling up my booster sets with these like filler cards so that you can like seed in your little like your silver yeah. so and so card. And like, no, no. Like, don't make my experience worse so that you can just sell more sealed product. So many games are getting into that. They love doing it. And it's anti, like, it's anti your player base. Yeah, that's interesting. So if I'm understanding what you're saying, basically the idea that maybe they need to not, like, just the chase cards being put in otherwise not, packs of not great cards can be more frustrating than than actually beneficial. And they're putting them in just about, it's every card game right now in pretty much every single set. Because um, Digimon d- did that for, a, like, one set. Then it didn't do it for a couple of sets. They did it again. But now they've done it every single set for, like, the last three. Um, Yu-Gi-Oh, they're doing the whole, like, quarter century thing in yeah. the next four sets. Well, if I can argue one thing, though, I will say this. With the quarter century cards, they are just quarter century versions of existing cards. And oh, I meant the, uh, the 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 special one. Oh, the special one. Yeah, okay. I don't know too much. Because they're putting yeah, all, that's, they're that's putting separate. those in. Oh, you want to pull the same card in the next four sets? They're just different colors. Collect them all. Well, I'll say this. I think that's pretty. That feels pretty harmless to me, mostly because it's not like if that card was like really good and like it was like okay, you need bonds of unity and soul or whatever magician, and like it's kind of like a in demand card for playability. Then that would definitely be a problem. I do like that it's a card that you can. You can open Duelist Nexus and like you'll be able to open Age of Overlord and ignore the existence of those cards. I think it's more annoying when like the card that you need to play, like just to kind of, you know, compete and keep up, is like short printed in some way. Cause then I feel like it's just that's when like prices get really top heavy and the whole thing I, you're describing kind of comes That is up. that that's like that's very much how like one would feel from coming from a Yu-Gi-Oh! standpoint of playing the Yu-Gi-Oh! card game. And wanting to build decks and compete and whatever. My issue is treating card games like it's a lottery, like it's a gambling gotcha type system. Yeah. The like card games were not like the luck ba- the luck part of pulling cards in card games is was not was never intended to be some huge lottery scheme that we seem to be trending towards. Yeah, I do think that there's like <laughs> I think I I really mm. think the spirit of card gaming is at stake here. When every set is an opportunity to just rip open products so you can like pull the thousand dollar card. Yeah, I've got some thoughts on that too. I mean, I think that I will say that card games were there was always kind of a like there are cards that are rare and there are cards that aren't because that's built into the business model. Yes, you are not supposed to be able to get everything you want within one pack. You gotta just keep buying them, and like you know, there are gonna be cards that are rare or less rare. I think the difference today is probably that every card game kind of wants to cash in a little more on that desirability 
people saw what's happened with Pokemon and like, you know, Yu-Gi-Oh! and Magic to slightly lesser degrees of like, you know, they're these highly collectible things and their value goes up. So I think new games sort of come along. Your Digimon, your One Piece, your whatever other game, you know, Vanguards or whatever. And they kind of want to replicate that sense of like, there's a chase, you got to hurry and get it. So I think there's always going to be like some of that. And that's probably healthy just for like giving you a special moment when you pull a card. But, and I'll get into this here in a second, but I, like, so I think that needs to stay. Like, I think that there should be kind of a card that feels extra special to pull. And like, it kind of, it's a memory for you where when you pull this, like, oh, I remember I pulled my first ghost rare. Or I remember when like I pulled, you know, and it doesn't happen because not everybody at the card shop gets a ghost rare. Some shops see like one ghost rare at a sneak peek. And for that, for that person, like, that's now like a kind of a core Yu-Gi-Oh memory. So that's good. I take more issue, I would say, with the culture of opening cases and stuff like that online. Because I felt like such an old head saying this. But, like, I remember back when, you know, buying even, like, a box was was seen as quite a special, uncommon thing. Like, someone buying a box just didn't happen. You bought packs. Maybe you were able to get singles or trade and stuff. But now, like, a new set comes out and you hop on Twitch or YouTube and people are just, like, you know, is ripping open like candy, like well, when boxes you print so many lottery pull cards. Yeah, so so that's and exactly so it combines where it's like you've got lottery cards and then content creators who don't have a limit to their spending because they make money on them, and then they kind of create these live streams where it's like I'm opening like you know just twelve cases of whatever the set is, and like because then it it's like they get to pull the lottery card, but of course they were going to pull it because they're opening the requisite like requisite amount needed to get like starlights or whatever and they freak out on streams and oh my god this is so crazy but it's not that crazy you bought the amount like, you know what I mean? you're like thousand you you invested uh, like a few thousand dollars you better get the card at that point and I then mean. like in addition to that i think people see that like kids or younger people and they're just like mm-hmm. oh i want to be that too i want to go and buy you know boxes and cases and maybe they can't necessarily afford it because like you said your favorite content creator is probably like making their money back in ads and sponsorships and maybe their card shop gave them all that stuff. But that's not really like going to be the case for the average player. So like not exactly related to what you were saying, but it is just a thing that I don't care uh, for. You know what a chase card was in spell ruler? Blue eyes, white dragon. Was it a special blue eyes, white dragon? Legend of blue eyes. Not spell ruler. Oh, my bad. Legend of Blue Eyes. I, for some reason in my head, sometimes spell ruler comes first. I have no idea why. But, um. Yu Gi Oh fans. Hmm? Nothing. Continue. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It was Blue Eyes was the chase card. It wasn't a silver Blue Eyes. It wasn't on fire. It was just the Blue Eyes. Itself. It was just the Blue Eyes. And in the earlier days of Yu Gi Oh, before we got to Ultimate Rares, there was no lack of hype for pulling certain cards. You did. The only problem was, I guess, these cards weren't worth a thousand dollars. They weren't worth hundreds of dollars. They, you know, your your blue eyes was, was worth probably like, I don't know, yeah. sixty bucks. Yeah, I mean, it's a hindsight thing too. Like when those blue eyes were being pulled, they, you know, were normal. And like now, I guess, like twenty five years into the future, if we kind of know. Yeah, I don't know. I I hate. I guess what I don't like that I completely agree is 
when companies try to kind of recreate that success, kind of remanufacture it. Yeah, that's that's my issue. They're artificially trying to create these extremely hype moments by seeding cards into these uh, games, one per, like, three cases, one per every other case. You know, pull rates like that. It's like, but when you don't really need to do that. Yeah. I get it helps boost sales, but how does you, how does um the new quarter century duo magician card how does it actually help my life? I still don't think that's the best example though, just because it's actually not even being seen as highly demanded. I mean, I guess it has a price well, tag. It's it's not highly demanded because Yu Gi Oh has done this time and time again. At this point, everyone is used to the like overblown, super shiny chase card that are going to stick into a set. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel special anymore. It just feels okay. regular. Yeah, I think that the case is probably more evident with Charizard, where Charizard's just been, like, hoard out and... I don't know. Well, anywho. I hate chase cards. Yeah, not a fan of them, uh, it sounds like. I'm, mid- I'm like, middle of the road on them. I think they have to exist to some degree for the excitement for of opening packs, but... I guess I don't like artificially kind of cramming them in. Yeah, it, it, it feels too, it's too corporate to me. Any other card game news? So, I mean, it's not good. It's kind of card game news. TCG player employees are, uh, they're unionizing. Okay. I saw this headline this morning. Yeah. So TCG player was bought by eBay. Yeah. I remember that was, a so, you know, a card. larger business bought a smaller one. And TCG player employees are claiming that they are losing pay benefits and it is from the consequence of being swallowed by such a much larger organization, they feel that that their um, their pay, their benefits haven't actually increased with all the resources they're supposed to have access to. And we're in this we're now in this kind of like striking culture right now. So yeah. So are they, are they going to be going on strike? They, I didn't. In the article that I read, they didn't say that they were necessarily going on strike, but they are marching, and I don't know if that means they're striking or not. But okay, they, I see. What is this? The CWA TCG Union. Are you familiar with that? I have not heard of it. This is my first time hearing about that. Yeah, I see a picture of their banner. I'm trying to find a description of what they are. Uh, let's see. Here we go. The they were being represent the TCG union is being represented by the Communications Workers of America, local eleven twenty three. Hmm. So they will be eBay's first union. Oh, if they if that happens, yeah, I guess if it's uh, considered, I guess eBay would have to sign a contract with them for them to really be the union. But yeah, I'm oh, they have a statement. This. Okay. So eBay sent uh, CNY Central this statement. CNY Central is the place where I got the article. It says, TCG players' priority is and always has been to build a workplace culture that gives team members a voice and opportunity to actively shape their future and the future of the business. We are firmly aware of and committed to meeting any and all obligations we may have under the National Labor Relations Act. That's just the federal regulations. We will continue to follow the procedures of the National Labor Regulation Relations Board. At the onset of the of this process, TCG Player 
asked Region 3 of the NLRB, that's the National Labor Relations Board, to resolve the issue of whether our operations leads were supervisors and thus ineligible for presentation by the CWA. So I guess this is kind of in the nitty-gritty of their issue, but um, I guess their operations leads... I guess they're they're wondering if the people in operations, the operation leads, are considered supervisors because if they're considered supervisors, they're ineligible for representation by this group that is oh, kind of interesting that is heading it because they really because like any good company, right? They don't want their workers to unionize. They don't want they don't want to have to deal with all that. So it says due to the CWA's position and the Region Three's action, we now find ourselves with this core issue unresolved. We are equally frustrated by the delay in the process. However, we intend to abide by the legal process put forth by the NLRB. So they are in no way bending to this newly formed union. In fact, they, uh, they're, they're trying to see if there even will be a union. They're trying to see if they can break it apart from the start. Hmm, that's interesting. What do you think? Do you think they... Yeah, well, you know I'm pro-union. You know? Um, yeah, me too. I, you know, I hate the big guy. I'm always for the little guy. Um, but... Man, let them people unionize. Like, no, I agree. So these I, corporations, they, they're so used to taking advantage of the law, of regulations, of us. Any, anytime people start trying to take agency in mm-hmm. their lives, especially their work lives, corporations always want to buck back. Yeah, you know, it kind of feels like it, there's almost just this season of striking right now. Like, it's a very I've seen described in this article as a hot labor summer because there've been a lot of different. I'm sorry. That was funny. You can thank the verge for that hot labor summer. Um, But yeah, there's a mid strikes, threats of strikes, you know, workers organizing for better working conditions. So I'm not going to pretend to be an expert in like every single benefit or detriment of unions because I'm not like fully familiar with, you know, like each issue is going to be different. Each union's Mm -hmm. different. I know there are people who have like, you know, what they consider to be valid reasons for maybe thinking unions aren't good and all that stuff. I'll just say, though, that I I tend to stand with the workers, I think, in these cases. Because, like, good working conditions is just something that everybody deserves. And, like, that can be both in terms of pay, the working conditions themselves, the benefits, vacation time, like, work-life stuff. I don't know, like, what it's like for these people exactly. I see this quote. Somebody says, my colleagues and I haven't had a cost of living raise in three years. We're losing sick time and facing constant changes at work that impact our ability to be successful, said Brianna Thomas, a member of the TCG union CWA. And so that, like, that's, I guess, like a little bit of an insight into maybe some of the problems that they're having. Mm-hmm. I've never really cared for the whole thing where, like, what you were saying earlier, where it's like, um, are they considered managers or are they considered supervisors? Because they're supervisors, they can't get this. And if they're managers, they could. And it's yeah. just like, it always, to me, that's always kind of read as just like, semantics for the sake of just like oh well, like technically you're a this not a that so you if can't you define it one way like, then this if you find it the other way then that so i know some friends like who work at tcg player or have worked at it so i'm hoping that this can at least for their benefit i hope that this sort of thing can get resolved quickly in their favor and they can speaking unionize. of striking in unions did you hear about that story about Stephen amell i did not uh for context guys Stephen amell is an actor most notably known for playing uh, Green Arrow in the show Arrow. 
So I think it was yesterday I saw this, or maybe it was early today. The days are bleeding together. It'll have been a couple of days by the time you um, guys hear it, but yeah. He had an entire uh, he had he had an entire like statement that he made, but there's one part of this statement that has been taken out of context and is being pushed all over the uh, internet, mostly on Twitter or X. Got yeah, that right. Uh, what you'll see on the internet is a usually a picture of Stephen Amell with the quote saying. Uh, I do not support striking. I don't. I think that it's a reductive negotiating tactic, and I and I find the entire thing incredibly frustrating. Okay. So, you know, you can put two and two together, and you realize he's talking about the actor strike, and he and he's criticizing the act of striking. Mm-hmm. So many people are looking at that as his uh, him taking a stance against the unions and the striking that they're doing. When, in fact, he actually says, even right before that, I support my union, I do, and I stand with them. And then he says, but I do not support striking. What Stephen, what Stephen Amell was getting at was uh, he actually doesn't think striking is the best tactic for unions to get what they want. He, th- he believes that, uh, and pe- many people like him think this way, that by digging your, he- your heels in and just saying no, and like kind of kind of doing a, a, a tantrum that that actually stifles negotiation. Mm, and okay. in some cases it has proven to be true, but we can't say, you know, we can, we don't know that for every case. Yeah. Um, I'm a little mixed on that. I mean, I think that strikes tend to be the result of people having not been heard for long mm-hmm. enough that they feel that they're without any other option. So I agree that like if like if there's a problem with like that you have at work, like an issue you have at work, I think that to immediately just like kind of be like, well, I'm mad about this, so I'm not doing it. And just like, you know, storming off or whatever, turning your head. That's not really great. But I think that in the case of so it's like if, if people just had a strike immediately for one small like grievance, yeah, that's not really good. I just think that usually the strikes kind of happen because people feel like they have they they have no other choice. They haven't been heard in any other way. I mean, typically to get someone to agree just to not work or get a paycheck for days, weeks, yeah, like months. it must have been pretty bad. <laughs> so, but to try to maybe view it from his perspective, I do think that strike can be tricky because I almost think of it as like kind of how playground sort of logic goes, where just well, you're stupid. Well, you're stupid. Like, it, it can kind of quickly devolve because, like, the companies will get angry at the strikers and be like, oh, well, if you're going to do that, well, then we're going to, like, hire AI workers in your place or we're going to do this until you stop. Or it, it can get very, like, mudslingy. And so in that way, I guess it's striking's not great, but I just, I wonder what he suggests instead. Yeah, he made, he made another statement, but it was mostly uh, due to the outrage around his first statement. He didn't, offer up any uh, alternative, just a critique of the strategy of striking. Okay. Uh, um, I guess there is one issue that I find with striking that uh, it takes the focus off of the problem, and instead now you're focused on the organization that you believe is causing the problem. Yeah, I guess that can happen. I mean, when when we went to... uh, uh, what where do we go? 
We went to an anime expo. Anime expo. And strike. they were striking. At, they were doing a hotel strike in Los Angeles. Um, if their strike was not going well, I mean, they, they, they were all striking, which is a good thing. Like they had an organization and whatnot, but the hotels had already hired a third party to fill in their roles. They were, they were yelling and in a weird way to hotel, the hotel, the corporation, the hotel just folded its arms and said, Oh, well, oh, well. Well, yeah, but I guess it's not the fault of the strikers. No, I'm not blaming the strikers. I'm just saying that uh, but now it was a fight between the strikers and the corporation, no longer looking at the problem. Yeah, that's true. I, I get what you're saying. I mean, I always hope that the that it sucks to hear that strikes have to happen. I know that some people kind of get like a little bit of like fervor and excitement at the idea that they're happening, which I think in that way it can sort of distract from the problem because some people kind of like to just the idea of like rebellion and anarchy, no matter what it's about. I say a strike is all fun and games until you're doing it and you're out of money. So I don't, I don't know. I, I guess the, like in the case of the hotel strike, I suppose the argument would be that, well, even though they were able to hire these temporary workers, maybe they don't do as good of a job as the people that they permanently have. And also, you know, the, the strike was making a lot of noise and stuff. So that might make it inconvenient for your customers. So maybe they, maybe you'll lose some business. Uh, you know, I was offered the opportunity to join a union once. Oh, how, how was that? Uh, it was very strange because I won't go into too many details like to dox job. myself. But um, I started working this job and I think I was only a couple months in when some of the other workers started showing up with these little, uh, these little union stickers. Mm-hmm. And you could tell there was some like friction about it. The uh, like upper management, de- none of them had stickers. Obviously, it was yeah. the low. I was at the lower rung, and I hung out with the lower rung employees, and they were the ones with the stickers. And when they would ask someone to join, they were they would always say, "Hey, look, we don't want to force you because wearing these stickers will not get you a lot of friends around here." Yeah, and when they came up to me, they said the same thing. And they, they were out, they gave me some paperwork and outlining their like positions and their tenants and all that. And I didn't really, but the thing was, I didn't really understand. I was only two months in. I didn't understand any of it. Yeah. But what I knew I didn't want was to like be in trouble so soon at, at the job. Yeah. And that sort of does suck. I imagine is that joining a union can kind of, you won't be the most popular worker among maybe mid and upper level management. They kind of might not care too much for it. Cause like I had this, I had the goal of like moving up and all that, and so I didn't want to ruffle any feathers. I remember um, I was supposed to go to a meeting just to like see, and the meeting never. I mean, happened. it never happened, huh? No, I, actually, at some point, everyone's stickers disappeared. I don't know what happened. How they break that up? But I, I don't I, think okay. the union made it. And that, that okay. This is my last little bit on it. I remember reading a story, and this is years ago. I'm sorry if I'm just spreading like misinformation or something. Um, so grain of salt, just something I read. Don't know if it's still true that I know like Walmart, they would close locations that tried to unionize. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. Again, like I'm not saying this is like fact right now, who knows, but I just, I remember reading some stories about people were like, when they would try to unionize, Walmart would just close the location and then reopen it. Wow. Like they would close the location, fire everyone there, like immediately if this union talks were, you know, happening, 
and then like reopen the location and th through some legal loopholes, business things that allowed them to like kind of stamp out the strike and get rid of people who are trying or not the strike like the union and get rid of people who are trying to start it. This is, nuclear this is option. Like, this is years ago. Again, like I, I really want to stress, I don't know if that's like always the case, but this is just something that I heard about. And I know that um, there was some like similar story about like there like just something like a fire had happened at one of them. And so people were trying to get damages for this fire through like a union. And so the Walmart just closed the whole place down. You can Google this. Maybe you'll find it more. I feel like they should still be able to get damages if they got injured it's, or something. I mean, I know a lot of these big corporations just do not care for these unions. They don't care a they lot don't. about that stuff. And so, I mean, I know that was it it's either Amazon or Apple. They had like a story about how like on the work phones, you're not allowed to use those. Or their words like you can't like message. Like you can't like use the words like like union or like labor practices. Uh, there are there are no Amazon unions, right? I don't. I don't know. I'm not it's, aware. It's so interesting that at one point this country, like you remember, if you remember reading history books about um, about when union the rise of unions and how it's a big cultural moment for America, and but we've completely regressed on that. I mean, it's a listen. I, good luck to everyone involved. Right. That's all I can say. I hope that these people get what they want. I hope they get better conditions. A TCG player in particular, because that's actually very relevant to us. I hope that the workers get what they want. I hope that the company can find some amicable compromise and I'm rooting for you. Well, so. my next story is about a job that you can get and I doubt you'll need a union for it. Okay. Mattel, that's the toy company, is hiring a chief Uno player to test its new game for 17000 Huh? Yeah, so what do they wait? What do you mean seventeen thousand dollars per month? I, I I I don't know that part yet. I okay, don't know that. Don't That's know. just Anyways, the headline. It's the headline. Right. Okay, but uh, here's here. So you they they call you you'll be called a chief Uno player. The job will require four hours of attendance per day, four days a week for four consecutive weeks. The role will pay. $4,444.44 for each of the four weeks. I have okay. no idea how they got, they settled on that specific number. Okay. Meaning that the winner will receive $17,777.76 by the end of their tenure as Chief Uno player. So you're testing like a new Uno product? Or products? Hi, it looks like it. It says the chief Uno player will be tasked with challenging worthy competitors to a game of Uno Quattro and teaching the new rules to fans. So I guess it's called the new Uno is called Uno Quattro. Fours. That's where the fours come from. Oh, so is it like also part of a meme? Like sort of a joke? Like just that you get paid for that? Yeah, that's... Okay. So you... So they're hiring people... To play their new Uno game and teach it to others. Where do I sign up? Well, actually, I think it's it's literally in this article. There's a link to it. It's like on their website or something. It says, uh, the payday is equivalent to $277 per hour for each of your 16-hour work week. It's only for four weeks, but that's yeah. a pretty good wage, right? Well, you guys better sign up. Y'all listening if you want to play Uno all day. Well, let's see. It says, requirements for the role include a love for Uno. 
I can claim to have that. <laughs> as well as an outgoing personality to speak with and challenge anyone walking by. Anyone? It sounds like Battle City. Just challenge people. <laughs> Uno Battle City. Just walk by and get challenged. Us applicants must also be able to work in New York City beginning on Saturday, September 13th. I can move temporarily, you know, yeah, for 17 weeks. grand. I yeah, can. It was like a month in New York. And yeah, I mean, I mean, the, the cost of living. They don't eat up though. a chunk, but oh, yeah. you'll still have something left over, you know, like, okay. If you have a relative in New York, you know, that could help you out some. If they have the space to keep you. But uh, let's see, it says Uno Quattro is a cross between the classic Uno card game and Connect Four. Sounds like a pretty simple game. They have a picture, and I'm very confused. Like, yeah, I, okay. like, can you tell me what's happening in this picture? No. Yeah, me neither. I don't know. Are you signing up? Uh, if I can learn Uno Quattro, I guess there's no reason not to give it a try, you know? Yeah, let's sign up. We can test this Uno game. We'll get to the bottom of it for you guys and take the money while we do. We'll put the link in the description. Yeah, but no, I mean, that sounds interesting. I, I must confess, I'm actually not a very big Uno person. I do remember the story... Some years back where they were, like, starting to, like, the official Uno, like, Twitter account was, like, saying, like, this is how, like, this reverse card or whatever works. And oh, people yeah. Like, people disagree people with like, their no, rules. Y'all don't fucking know what you're talking about. <laughs> y'all don't know how to play y'all game. Yeah. And, like, people really kind of took issue with that. I mean, I know Uno is kind of one of those games where you just, it's house rules, right? Like, I can't stand certain house rules. People kind of do it. Which, like, many games are sort of like that. But I think Uno is most known. I hate that Uno out rule. I hate it so much. Yeah, I think that was one of the things they talked about, too. People's made that up one day, and they're like, yeah, you got to say Uno out. No, you don't. You say Uno. It's in the rule book. Not if you're at the wrong house. Rule book on the back of the package. There was no, there was no rule book back then. Yeah. It always made me think, this is like not exactly related, but like, what if there was like a type of Yu-Gi-Oh that was a lot more like Uno, where it's just a single deck that just gets divvied up, and like cards, like it's hyper-simplified, right? Like where it's just monster spells and traps, but like, they're played just as, I don't know, it's a crazy idea I had a long time ago. I was just like, a Yu-Gi-Oh game where, like, your deck is, it's more like a board game. Just to get gather around the table, we divvy it up, mm-hmm. play. Like, it's not, I don't, I don't know what you would call that, but. I mean, there are quite a few um, tabletop experiences that are uh, relatively sim- uh, similar to that idea. They're not Yu-Gi-Oh, but, um. There's a, there's a few, like, kind of uh, pop out the board, and there's one deck, and you split it up in some type of way, and you play this specific type of game. Yeah. Oh, okay. I got one about Magic the Gathering, what something that I had learned. This isn't really a story, but I know you guys will know last week we talked about how Magic the Gathering cards do not have an MSRP. They don't. And thank you guys, everybody who responded in the comments and kind of explained the situation to me. It sounds as though Wizards of the Coast kind of got rid of it a few years back as a way to sort of absolve themselves of, at least fans feel, but I, so many people said this in the comments, I'm led to believe it probably has some truth to it. Is Maybe. They, you know, did this to sort of absolve themselves of kind of acknowledging the secondary market, although I would argue it actually kind of makes it worse. And they kind of, like, wizards maybe claimed that it was, like, in the interest of card shops to be able to set the prices themselves because, like, they can get the profit margins they need. Well, anywho... I went to our local card shop just the other day Uh-oh. and we were speaking with, you know, the lady working in there and she was just like, this is insane. These commander master packs cost so much. And the commander masters packs were twenty four ninety nine a piece for a their, piece. Uh, bo- for for their booster, booster packs. not the collector's pack or anything. 
And I was like, there's no way. Now, granted, this might just be our card shop being, you know, greedy and price gouging or whatever. But I was just like, it it sucks that a card shop is doing this. But so even worse that Wizards does not just have an MSRP for these things. Like force people, like tell these shops that you have to sell this pack for like five bucks, not 25 bucks. And so I know I've, after speaking with a few people about it, some people are like, well, you know, Commander Masters is that kind of set. Like there's really valuable stuff in it. And if you're buying it, you know what you're getting into. Great, cool, whatever. But like if you're a normal freaking person, like I think everybody seems to miss that part of the memo of like, there's the, you always hear some excuse of why it costs what it does. There's no good excuse to me for a pack of cards to be $25 or 20 or even 15. That's so like, much for one. Like pack. even if it was less, like I just, I think that's crazy because there are like kids who I know magic maybe doesn't have a lot of kids, but like teenagers and stuff where you can't buy a $25 pack leisurely. That's a chunk of money. So what you mean? That was my whole allowance for the last month. So yeah, like if you're like a teenager and you're either just functioning on allowance or like it's your first little part-time job, and maybe you're doing it to kind of be able to fund your magic game, addiction, and addiction, whatever, hobby. Habit. Uh, that's crazy. So. Well, that actually leads me into what I have here. Uh-oh. More magic controversy? Yeah, well, this isn't controversy. It's a good also, but kind of a bad thing. And you'll see why. So Bank of America has upgraded Hasbro's stock, saying Magic the Gathering cards will boost their earnings. Okay. So as soon as I can get these ads out of the way, this article. Okay, this should help. Oh, my gosh. The ads got in the way anyway. Why does this thing have an ad block? I always read them off of pocket so I can just not see the ads. The, uh. Using my thing. We use pocket to share it, to save our stories. Anyway, so. Good app. Download it. So Bank of America has upgraded Hasbro's stock because. The sales and the the sales of the Lord of the Rings set and the expected sales of Commanders of Commander Masters is expected to significantly boost the earnings of the overall company that is Hasbro, and uh, it's looking pretty good right now. Okay. It, at least pretty from good. a Wall Street point of view. Yeah. So like Hasbro, Hasbro and, Wiz- well, and Wizard of the Coast. A1. Well, it sounds to me like people aren't too happy with it. Profits are up. Yeah, good for them. I mean, all I can say about that is like, set a freaking MSRP. <laughs> it's it's kind of funny. In this article, they say things that we talk about in a, in a negative way, but in a positive way. Let's see. Who's, I forget whose quote this is. It says... So, oh yeah, okay. It's the, it's the guy who wrote the article. We spoke with several local game stores. This, this is, um I believe, the representative from Bank of America. We spoke with several local game stores, distributors, players, and collectors, and were encouraged to hear strong excitement and demand for this set. Collector boxes are currently fetching over $400 from the secondary market. Awesome. And TCG Player, one of the primary online marketplaces for Magic cards, shows nearly three times more sell-through than the prior Magic set. Okay. Well... (laughs) Good to hear that they're happy because I, I mean, I think that just they're going to squeeze these players dry and I, you know, man, I don't know. I just, I think that if you were going to squeeze these players dry of all their funds in the hopes that like we release more and more stuff and price it higher and higher, like that'll come to a head eventually. 
Maybe. I mean, I think like people eventually will just get to a point where like they will be gated, price gated out of playing some of these games. Like, at least people in Bank of America believe that Magic's sales can help save Hasbro's stock, and that mm. is a horrifying thing to hear. If yeah, you if you're already a Magic think, player, I think that sounds. <laughs> if you already think prices are too high now. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds pretty terrifying. I don't like the sound of it. I mean, I feel bad for you Magic players. I know people in the comments, they were just describing it. And I was like, yeah, this sounds pretty atrocious. I mean, like, the best thing I can say is that, at least in the case of Yu-Gi-Oh!, however imperfect a game it may be, I've got Our packs plenty, cost of, the same plenty of problems ish. with it. But I will say that I just like that Yu-Gi-Oh! packs are a consistent price. And you can, you'll know what you are going to pay for a pack, generally speaking, so that part of the buying experience is consistent. However crazy it might be outside of that. Because there there's craziness outside of it, that's for sure. at least that is a thing. I saw, the other thing I saw was like, the, the Commander Masters decks, like one of them was like 90 bucks. You said one of them. I think all four of them. I think all of them are, yeah. <laughs> Something was. They had like these different prices. And I was like, yeah, that's. I feel bad for people. Even if your shop's like selling them for 60, that still sounds crazy. They won't sell them for 60. Yeah, like our shop was more, but like even if your shop was selling them for less, like unless it's like at forty bucks, which I thought was what the MSRP was supposed to be, but there's not one now, so I don't. Yeah, that that sucks. I good luck, Magic players. I my heart goes out to you because that sounds fucking insane. So anyway, anywho, I think that's all the stories. Um, maybe it's time to do some pot and open. And, I mean, answer. you mean. You mean reach into the pot? Yeah, reach into the pot. Yeah, that's why. That's what he said. That's what he, we're that's going what he to indulge. Indulge in some pot of greed. And just, we're going to indulge in some. I almost greed. fell for it. I almost, almost. Okay, let's see what I got. I was going to grab two cards at once this time. Yep. If they'll come out, there we go. Okay. Well, so draw mine as well. A few different cards in here. It feels like. Okay, all right. I like my questions. Okay. Ah. All right, go ahead. You first. So would you like to see a live-action Yu-Gi-Oh? Hmm. Yes. My gut instinct was going to be to say no, but you know what? I'll take it. Uh, just yeah, Yes, I'll, I'll take Yu-Gi-Oh in any form. Live-action? Cool. What's Movie? So, TV show? I don't care. What's so interesting is that, like... I think it's funny what people seem to want more than a live-action Yu-Gi-Oh! Like, movie or show... Is just to be able to actually do it themselves. Like, people more so want an AR Yu-Gi-Oh! experience. Oh, or an we AR want VR. to be the live-action like, Yu-Gi-Oh! I would say that given the choice, people want to be part of that. Not, like... Because, I mean, you know, there's, like, the live-action One Piece show that's, like, coming on Netflix. And it's, like, another one of those examples of, like, anime into live-action. Cool, neat. But, like, I think if Yu-Gi-Oh! did it, it could be fun. And I'd watch it. And I'll support it. I'll support pretty much any cool little new Yu-Gi-Oh! venture. I just think that I would be more excited as a player if I could like play my cards and they could get summoned in front of me, even if it's like some sort of small hologram on the mat, just something that kind of absorbs me more into the experience. So what were you thinking? <laughs> Sorry, I was imagining the the outrage for um the like hypothetical casting of a live action like Netflix Yu-Gi-Oh! Oh, goodness, that would be a thing. Because <laughs> there would be people who would demand Yugi and or Atem to be black because he's That's from Egypt. That's true. I wonder if they would And do then that. there'd be people who would hate the idea. 
Yeah, and, there'd be people who'd be furious. <laughs> oh my god. I yeah, it would be a controversy on both sides. I need it to happen just so I can see it. And it'd also be like the crowd of people who's like, well, Egyptian's not black. because you, Yugi was Japanese. Japanese not black, and he's this and that. So there's, I, I know there's a lot of different, differing like opinions on how that would need to be portrayed. So it's like, I don't even have a dog. And if I don't actually care one way or another with how it would be uh, portrayed, I just, just want to see. The internet would I just want to see the anarchy. <laughs> yeah, that would be, I think that also some interesting characters to cast would be like maybe Pegasus. Since he's actually supposed to be American. Oh, yeah, huh? Like, Pegasus and, like, Bandit Keith, I guess, too. But, like, he probably wouldn't be in the live-action movie. But, I mean, like, Pegasus is supposed to be, like, a like man from America, I believe. So, whereas the other characters would be, like, Asian, he at least would be, like, an outlier, so. That is true. So, I don't know. There, there would be some fun casting controversies. I, oh, God. I would like to partake in the... Maybe I don't think I'd partake in the discussions, but I think that I would love to read them. I, I think it'll be funny. I ha- okay. This, before we go on this question, I've got this new like little enjoy thing I've been enjoying lately, and What's that? I know it's gonna sound like really fucking sadistic, but like I'm starting to enjoy how quickly like Yu-Gi-Oh arguments break out online these days. Like I so I tweeted about like Maxi or something, right? Mm-hmm. As I as I do, and it was just apologist. Yeah, Maxi apologist. And it was just intriguing, I guess, to see how quickly, like, the fights break out. Like, and it's it's weird because I guess people will just start, like, and it's with anything on the internet, I know. But, like, people will just start, like, they get so nasty so fast. Like, with each other, with me. Like, I, I was like, yeah, I think Maxie's fine. And people, they get so snarky, like, right out the gate. Or they'll, like, call me stupid and dumb. And, like, you don't know. Like, this L take. and Or people will start, like, arguing with each other and, like, paragraphs and paragraphs. And I'm just like, it's such, a, it's so interesting, I guess, that people, like, will just go to war yeah. on the internet and these comments over, like, a just, tweet, over, like, tweets or just, like, just the idea that someone has a differing opinion on, like, a Yu-Gi-Oh card. Z, Z. Yeah, Z, sorry, my, yeah. You were on X, not Twitter. Yeah, Blazing Your Glory, that's their new, Blaze Your Glory is their new motto slogan thing. That really sounds like something Elon Musk wrote. It is probably something he learned. But yeah. Sorry, that was just like a little quick tangent. I just, I guess, for me with Yu-Gi-Oh arguments, I just, I'm never like that invested in the things. Like, I'm just sort of like, oh, you know, Maxi, it's fine. If it, they ban it, that's fine. If they don't, it's fine. Like, I don't mind. I'm gonna play Yu-Gi-Oh either way. And like, I guess I just, I read what people think, and like, they're just like, guy was crazy. And it's like, oh my god. Like, anyway, okay, my card. Um, should Yu-Gi-Oh do pop culture collabs? Oh man. Hmm. So they've done a few. Like they have? They've done like the Adidas collab. Oh, like that. Well, I mean there could be others too, but they've done a collab with Adidas. But generally when Yu-Gi-Oh does like kind of collabs, it'll be like little merch things. There's like hype land, but that's like still more niche. It will be and that's outside of the car game, technically. So what do you like? What comes to mind for you? See, I was thinking about Magic the Gathering style collabs, where they the collab is now in the card oh, game. Oh, okay. I think they should. I would love to see it. You want to see a? Uh, want to see My Little Pony in Yu Gi Oh? Sure. I guess actually, with some of our archetypes, that's not weird at all. Because uh, I mean, what's weird about Yu Gi Oh? It's not weird. It's good. But like, what's interesting about Yu Gi Oh is that. It's got, like, so much archetype variety at this That's point. That's true. Like, I mean, we are literally talking about every end of the spectrum. Any just 
interesting, you think it's cool or cute or fun or whatever, like it's got everything. Like I, I sat there for like a moment saying, Oh, my little pony would be so weird in Yu-Gi-Oh. Then I remembered Melfi and Pearly and it's like, oh wait. Yeah, it like we got like Melfi, got <laughs> Pirelli or whatever. And there's like Medolce, Nouvel, there's like food. Yeah. So I mean, Yu-Gi-Oh! Like, literally anything's possible. Archetypes are so disparate and varied. I mean, you can really make anything a Yu-Gi-Oh card. The real trouble comes from the fact that I think Japan is just so strict about like that licensing and like kind of keeping that Yu-Gi-Oh brand pure. Yeah. Because the Yu-Gi-Oh will do inspired archetypes very clearly. Cosmo. Cosmo is always the number one thing, but also, you know, just things like Vanquish Soul is kind of feels like a blaze blue guilty gear thing, but they will not like, they they won't position another brand next to Yu-Gi-Oh. They don't, they won't do that. Tarnishing that brand image. I mean, it's, it's pristine and it's like their child. They did something close with the, um, the baseball baseball series. Cause they even put them in master duel. Yeah. What, what is that called? Oh my gosh. Power pro power, power power pro. Yeah. I think like Pro Evolution Soccer. And that's but. actually, I think it's owned by Konami. So I'm very surprised they haven't done a Pro Evolution Soccer thing. Because you know, Konami does so much be with boring. that. Who cares? It'd be boring. I don't know if anyone would care. But, like, but soccer's popular and Pro Evolution is like a popular you're game. Right. For, maybe I mean, you're right. You're right. I always, I, I keep, I'm, so, I'm, so, I'm stuck in an American point of view. Soccer is huge in other places. Yeah. So, uh, but to answer the question, should they? Yeah. Yeah. Go for it. Will they doubt it? But they wouldn't do it. But I, for one, would support it if they did. One way or another. Putting them into the archetypes or even just doing more stuff like Adidas and Nike would be a really big one for them. To That'd do. be That'd huge. Be cool. Or the McDonald's Happy Meals again. Like anything. I'll take anything. I'm mm. a starved duelist. <laughs> I'm a starved duelist. I'll take whatever. So, I'm actually glad for my next question because I didn't have an AI story. Oh, and someone asked if Yu-Gi-Oh should have AI judges. (laughs) Okay. So, my knee jerk is actually, yeah. That's your knee jerk reaction? Yeah, that's my knee jerk. No, it sounds like there's maybe a more thoughtful one that goes the other way then. Yeah, well, it's not necessarily the other way, but there's there's a gray area to it. Okay. Well, first, let's define what does that mean? (laughs) Like, what, what exactly is an AI judge, I wonder? Let's... The way I guess the way I'm looking at it is if you could ask Chat GPT a question on oh, like a here's ruling. the situation. Yeah. What how is this? Oh, okay, yeah. Hmm. So you so it sounds like you like it. Yeah, I'm Go a ahead. fan. I'm a fan. So I think that's honestly not bad. I don't think it will be very difficult to teach an AI the rules to Yu-Gi-Oh. Like Yu-Gi-Oh is a straightforward game, even if it is, if it has like flaws to it, the rules are clear, right? Like it's not a complicated game, like rule-wise. And as long as you're asking about specific card interaction rulings, I imagine AI would do fine. I mean, like my thing is, it should like something that's kind of nice about Master Duel and why people like that or EDO Pro or something in the past is like the simulator kind of will not like mess up rulings. It will just simply allow, like they'll just go. It can't miss rule because it's doing it. And so I always thought, well, it would be nice if basically you could kind of just tell the phone, like it doesn't even really have to be like AI per se. It could just be like, 
here is the interact. You kind of input the interaction. I know there's a lot of extra factors, so that's not always as e easier said than done. But you should just kind of be able to do that, and then through its own Konami's own little database, it should be able to kind of spit out like a a ruling. I know, like that's a simplification because Yu-Gi-Oh things can get dicey, and like also there's kind of that whole there's an, like how it can't really rule like slow play or yeah. Kind of I think there's certain rulings. Stuff, AI, that was where my, my nuance kind of fringe cases came in. But. Yeah, those are different, but. I think, I think for a lot of rulings, though. But it's interactions? Yeah, that'd be great. Now, how do you interface with it? So, that it could be text-based, but then I think you would actually probably need an, an actual human judge to input the query to the AI. At which point, now that's just... Yeah, now it's another step. Of, like, you should have just had the judge to kind of to begin with. I mean, I think if you could speak it into, like, the phone. Like, I have such and such in the field, and he activated that. Wouldn't trust a Yu-Gi-Oh player to do it. But, yeah, then I think that how you say it would be so, yeah, that might not. I would be so important. My biggest worry would be if, like, if we had some type of, like, a way to for players to kind of speak to phones and do it. One player says their problem one way and gets a ruling. The other one says the so problem another way, way and they get ruling, a different ruling, and now it's, well, whose ruling is correct, and they could even believe they said the same thing, but they didn't. Yeah, because there's only one situation, but like there's kind of two sides to it. Because and... oftentimes in like judge rulings, the only person who's actually prepared to like with all, prepared with all the right Yu-Gi-Oh nomenclature and all the knowledge is the judge. That is the person who can conceptualize what the problem is. Yeah. I think this is also a great time for you to mention my usual little spiel on this, which is that I think that Konami needs to have more of a rulings database that's official that players can go to and look stuff up. Mm -hmm. I think that when rulings are given, they need to be set as precedents. Like, okay, hey, this happened at, you know, some event four years ago, and so, like, we set it, like, it's, you know, this that's is how, how it, it will always be going yeah. forward so until unless there's, otherwise. like, a concerted effort to change it, that's how it's going to be. And I think that the fact that it does not exist is a bit of a sin because Travesty. it's crazy that I have to like go to like some weird Facebook group and like ask and then wait for some person like it. Yeah. So I know that's like my own little personal tangent on it. Maybe if there was like an AI or a database or something, it could help part way to getting there. I don't know. And, but what, but concerning this question, I mean, there's still plenty of rulings that an AI would probably struggle with the more human factors that come up during tournaments. Like you said, slow play, but there's all sorts of little infractions and things and that can happen. Game state stuff. It can't really, you can't, that, you very well can't ask the AI if your opponent's marking their sleeves or like the irreparable game state things. I know that comes up a fair bit or whatever. So, I mean, I would like to see it and maybe in some cool, Kaiba inspired future, the you know AI could do it for us. Where we move in the Kaiba future, where all technology progresses for the sake of dual monsters. But yeah, I do think. Okay, one more quick thing that I think could be a really cool feature, Neuron, which I assume I guess that would be the app where the AI judge thing would yeah. theoretically be. Is like if Neuron had a search function where I could like just say my search like a lot, like I'm because I can't remember the name of a car, and I'm just like that elemental hero monster that searches dark things when summoned or you know what i mean like just i can kind of say it and it'll be like oh okay i get what you mean like show you the result because there's not like the result of a game riding on its decision it's just if i don't remember what this card is called i can kind of quickly not mm. that it's hard to find those things as it is but it could be a neat feature i've never been a huge i've seen a lot of people interested in, in like feature like 
this is more of a technological like a technological thing, less of a Yu-Gi-Oh thing. I've seen a lot of interest and people love using these um like voice operated like yeah, devices things, and yeah. systems and whatnot. I've never been a fan of it really. I don't really want to talk to my phone. I'll I'll type. I'm I don't have a problem with that. What wants to hear you? Like, I don't, I don't want to. Wants to hear like, what you got to say. I think my aunt has a remote that you can talk to to find like channels and whatnot. Oh, I don't want to yeah. do that either. I'll just use the remote like normal. I don't know. I don't. I, I get that it's supposed to be more convenient, but it just feels weird to me. And I don't want to do it. It does feel a little silly, like just talking. What's the hero quest? He's talking to your smartphone. Like, kind of. But I also don't have one of those like um, assistant things, like "Hey Alexa" or "Hey so and so." I don't. Really... You're setting off people's. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like I don't know. I've <laughs> never had. I never felt like wanting to use one of those before. Maybe because like that movie Smart House, and that just kind of made it all weird. I think my only issue with those sort of search things is when they fail. It's like more annoying than. Then, like it's like convenient, I guess, when it works. At the moment, it like doesn't read you or like does or just doesn't operate. Then like you're twice as bad because yeah, it's, just, it's like, more like, waste hey, of time. Uh, and so you're yelling at it now. All right, here's the last card that we've drawn today, and this is probably going to be one that I think we'll have a lot of fun with in the comments. Add a rule to Yu-Gi-Oh. Any rule? Well, we get to add. Oh, little, put it back in there. Oh yeah, sorry. No, it's, in not supposed yeah, to. it's in there now. Add a rule to Yu-Gi-Oh is the prompt. So. Right, I'm, you, I'm you, assuming you that this person's kind of in, like, what, like, serious rule, I guess, would you maybe add? If you want to go from, like, a balance perspective, there's all kinds of stuff. Or do you want to mm -hmm. go from maybe, like, more of, like, a, oh, this would be, like, fun and new and interesting. I mean, new and interesting. Hey, really, you can pick, you can do either yeah, one. I'll do, okay. My, my balance rule would probably be either, like, a... Mm, not a big fan of the whole, like, oh, like, X amount of summons per turn, just because there are certain decks where, like, they'll just be disproportionately affected. But maybe just kind of a universal hard ones per turn. But I don't know if it's, like, a new rule. Or, like, a kind of a universal nothing misses timing. Like, just something that kind of clears that up might be good. I don't know. I know. So, I have a master rule that I would like. Okay. Uh, pendulums are not limited to summoning into the extra monster zone. No, so you want to go back. In the extra deck. Yeah. That will be the master rule, I suggest. And then uh, just like a, an additional rule just to the game. Maybe. Mm. Oh, maybe this is also be a master rule. Go for it. Let's hear it. Don't be shy. All the monsters in your deck have to be the same attribute. Oh, like some sort of a tribal or like attribute. That oh, could be really same neat. attribute or same type. It has to be one of them. I think that could actually be really fun and do and go a long way in kind of like you know limiting deck building while still making it like kind of creative in its own way. It kills so many like decks. It. Good. I I I I think something that one thing that's interesting about Yu-Gi-Oh is no matter what rule like gets added, I I will play this game. So, like, if they were to do that, like, I know there's some people who are like, oh, this ruins my favorite deck and I'm quitting. I would just find, I'd figure something out and play. I think most people, uh, their love for Yu-Gi-Oh actually endures most rules. They'll figure out a way to play anyway. I think yeah. that's most Yu-Gi-Oh players, honestly. Yeah, I, I know, like, there are people who, I guess, they, they're quite angry about things, but, like, they also do still buy. Me so included. I think, do I have a line in the sand? Like, personally. Like, what could Yu-Gi-Oh do that like, would yeah. be like, okay, I'm done? Like, 
I mean, I would. I hate lottery cards, but I don't think they could do much more with that to make me want to quit. I'd say the worst that Yu-Gi-Oh could do, in my opinion, that would like. If they add some some master rule that just says like you get unlimited special summons or something, and like there's nothing just, else changes, I'll be just like, All nonsense. Right, I'm out of this. I can't. Like, like just make Yu-Gi-Oh even crazier somehow. But what's weird is. Because of the way I play Yu-Gi-Oh now, which is barely and only through very like limited formats, almost no matter what rule or anything, no matter what Yu-Gi-Oh could possibly, whatever Konami could introduce into Yu-Gi-Oh, at best I like it and engage with it, or at worst I just ignore it ignore and it, keep yeah. playing the way I do now. Well, let me see. If I was to add a fun little rule, I'm still gonna answer, I guess. Uh, like maybe. I don't know. Like, it's hard for me to think of one. Just think get, of a rule what? that would help your favorite deck. Oh. Uh, extra decks are 10 now. Uh, now my Dogmatica can just <laughs> take more cards. From Limiting me. the extra deck. Actually, you know what's weird? I, know I don't people, hate that. Some people want that. Yeah, I don't hate that, actually. Yeah, I mean, I've always thought it'd be maybe just better to make the extra deck be like limited to like your like your idea with the types. And even your extra deck is like that. You know what like, I think would be cool? It counts for Pendulums, too. So like a pendulum deck would have to run like almost nothing in our extra deck. Yeah. Once they hit ten, even with face up pendulum monsters. It's an interesting thing. I guess I've never been like super enamored with the whole idea of like think of a new rule per se, but I will say just a quick shout out to the deck master format. We have done some duels with or like a duel with it on the channel. We were trying to do another. We're planning on a second one. We left for our trip, but we will be doing one when we You get say that back. in past tense, but we but we haven't left yet. Well when they watch this we will have. Oh that is true. But yeah the deck master format, there are rules to it on Konami's website. They're kinda of vague. They're not that well done. But you can play it with a friend and have fun. I think that if they were to flesh that out some, that could be a potentially cool alternative format. If one wants well, to you heard that. us, Konami, make it happen. I think they'd have to maybe make dedicated deck master cards, though. I don't think it yeah, could actually be they'd have to make stuff. They, I guess they could even make like pre constructed like deck master yeah, decks, and uh, you know, I'll take a 50 split, please. Konami, they can come out in like see like waves or series yeah. every few like months or so. Card shop can charge you 90 bucks for them, yeah, yeah. And you can even make it like maybe it's a multiplayer format, you know, yeah, Why? four people are on a table that could be fun. Hmm. Yeah, I'll take my 50-50 split. All right, that's it for this week's episode of the Pot of Greed. Pod. Enjoy. I'm starting to say pot now. The Pot of Greed. The Pod of Greed. Yeah, we're the pod, yeah. Yeah, we're the pod. Drawing cards. Or whatever they changed that card's name to. We're the Greed Jars. Yeah, we're the Greed Jars. (laughs) Hopefully you guys enjoyed. Let us know uh, any other fun topics, things. We will catch you guys uh, maybe through some of the coverage of Worlds. We'll be talking about whatever this announcement is. Mm-hmm. I think the mm-hmm. next week when we get back should be a fun and interesting and exciting one. It, I'll probably be dead. I'm not gonna lie, y'all. I might not. I might not look like I'm in it. Also, if next week's episode comes out on Friday instead of Thursday, you'll know why. It's because we just got in from our trip and are probably severely jet lagged and just overwhelmed. And but just know we were consistent until that point. It'll only be one day late, if that. All right, sweet. We'll see you guys in the next one. Past Past turn. turn.